Let's stand again. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13. Last week, we talked to you about listing the places in your life, taking time to think about this. And, and, and really, folks, I want to challenge you. The only way we really grow in the Word is if we take time to think about it and apply it to our lives. And so we ask you to think about the places where you should have authority in your life and, and to give analysis to that and to, to pray your way through the scriptures we talked about and, and the places where you're under authority and what your relationship is like with the people that you're under authority with. And then to read the scriptures that were in the notes last week and to take time to, uh, to let those just kind of sink into your heart. And then, of course, to continue to read 1 Corinthians 13. And to let that passage just marinate in your spirit, if you will. Let's read it again today. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have, uh, have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not boast at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Father, we thank you for this instruction. And it's all about us. We understand that today. It's not about what we demand out of someone else. It's what is expected out of us to give to others. So Lord, I pray that these passages, as we've read them week after week and day after day, that this passage would begin to uh, inform our life and how we act and how we live our life each day. And that Calvary would be a church, Father. We would be a people who would take your word seriously to know it and to apply it in practical ways in our life each day. Help us in that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Say hello to a few people around your in the name of the Lord, and then you may be seated. <coughs> Since the beginning of this uh, of the year, we've been talking about uh, relationships and and about some of the very pillars of relationships. And this, the title of it of the series has been "It's It's Not You, It's It's Me," trying to help us get this understanding that that for relationships to be healthy, first and for foremost, we have to be healthy. If you bring unhealth into a relationship. Uh, the other person is not going to be able to magically make you healthy. Uh, you've got to be healthy on your own. 
and you can't magically make somebody else healthy but you can take some of the pressure off of the relationship with your health if you're healthy enough to know how to properly righteously respond in relationships today I, I want to point to one really important area for us and that's how close our relationships can be you know loneliness is a a terrible thing have you ever been and sensed loneliness have you ever felt lonely in your life uh, ever felt like you don't belong that no one cares that you don't fit in uh, there's been times when I've been traveling and and been places and and, and been alone and, and felt those kind of feelings other times I've been in other cultures and other places and been around believers and even though they didn't know the same language that I know felt very connected with them because we were believers uh, but I've sensed that a few times in my life that sense of loneliness but I've always known this I can go home there's a home for me there's a family for me there's a place where I belong a place where I am welcome a place where I am cared for a place where I am a part of things now in life there's some element of loneliness that we all face on this earth but some people sense this loneliness throughout their life like they have <clears throat> nowhere to turn no family no place to call home and yet we find the Bible that from the earliest times of man on this earth God has said it is not good that man be alone in fact in Psalm 68 God is described as a father to the fatherless a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling God in verse 6 God sets the lonely in families what a great promise isn't that he leads us forth he, he leads forth the prisoners with singing but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land that last line is important for us to understand that here is the promise of God that no matter where we're at in life that he will put a song in our heart he will place us in families he will he will be the defender of us in our weakness but if we are rebellious then there's nothing but a sun-scorched land for us it's through Jesus and through our hope in Jesus that we can be connected no one has to live in loneliness and there's one word that is the opposite of loneliness and that word is intimacy what does intimacy really mean intimacy is about connection intimacy is about belonging intimacy is about being with people who understand me and I understand them intimacy is about comfort intimacy is about a sense of caring a sense of love a, a feeling there's a closeness that comes in intimate relationships a grandfather may die grandson granddaughter may be sad but grandpa lived hundreds and hundreds of miles away they never really knew each other they saw each other at holidays or family reunions at times when they would visit 
but there wasn't that core connection, that intimate relationship. They loved each other. It was Grandpa, after all, and Grandpa you know, would talk to him occasionally, and then he'd see each other once in a while. And their heart is sad. Their heart is broken. It doesn't mean they don't love Grandpa, but there's not an intimate relationship with Grandpa. On the other side, Grandpa dies. And this is the guy that you went fishing with hundreds and hundreds of times. This is the guy who came to your ball games and took you to ice cream afterwards when you were a little kid growing up. This is the guy that you laughed with over a thousand meals and shared life with over a thousand meals. He told you his stories and he listened to your stories. Is there a difference in those relationships? There's an intimacy that comes inside of those, that sharing of life that can only happen when life is so. This is why when I talk with young people around our church and, and they've moved here from some other place and they say, you know what, I, I've kind of got this opportunity to move back home where mom and dad are at. Pastor, what do you think? I say, listen, unless God's telling you no, go home. Get back near mom and dad. Get back where you can have that, where you and your children can have that intimate relationship that, you're, that you miss when you're miles and miles apart. And if you are miles and miles apart, work hard at it. Learn how to use Skype. Learn how to use some of the tools we have today that'll let you have an, a close relationship, an intimate relationship, let you enter into connection with those who are far and far apart. You, you see, a father can die, and there can be loving tears, with, but yet those loving tears can be with thoughts of regret. I, I wish our relationship had been different. I wish we'd have been able to talk. I wish we'd have been able to share life together, but there was always a tension or always a, a separation or always, they're just, I was just missing something with with dad you know what you're missing the intimacy the closeness the connection there's tears of sorrow and yet also a sense of loss that there was something was missing not just the loss that they're gone but the loss that maybe they never were really there in the fullness of their life on the other side there can be tears of sorrow as well as gratefulness for a dad that God placed into our life that spent time with us, that talked with us, that shared life with us. These are reflections of intimacy either achieved or missed. And maybe relationships begin to pat, pop into your mind today because just because I'm dad doesn't mean I, ha I automatically have an intimate relationship with my children. Just because I'm a husband doesn't mean I have a close, intimate relationship with my wife. Just because I, I fulfill some role doesn't mean I have that closeness that God would have us to have. Now, I can't change the past. I can't go into my past, and neither can you, and fix what is missing in those places. But I can strive for true intimacy in relationships today. I can work on my side of it. To offer those things today. Intimacy requires investment of life in others. 
to look at those people in my life that God has placed there intentionally and decide to grow in it. Now, now how does intimacy grow? Well, I, I will tell you a, a couple of quick things today. Intimacy can grow through commitment. Sometimes that commitment's very natural and sometimes it is a choice. But it is a commitment, a desire to invest my life and a commitment in that person's life that I'm going to give myself and do my best to know them, to share with them, to invest my life in them. We've talked in the last weeks that selfishness destroys roles and disrupts relationships. And this is one of the things that also it disrupts in the relationships. Selfishness destroys intimacy. When one person is selfish, there may be overall peace in the home, but there's something missing in the relationship because we're not living a life of connection and a life that cares so you can love your children and miss relationship and the cost of that is influence the cost of that is them caring about the things you care about because you've ruled over them you've demanded from them we've expected from them we've drawn lines in the sand with them but we've never been committed to their good. We've never surrendered ourselves. We've never given for them. Oh, now that, you say never, Pastor. That, that's, that's a pretty big word, isn't it? So let's back it up. And let's look at which way does the scale tip? Does the scale tip towards me? Or does the scale tip towards them? And that intimate relationship of caring, guess what? We want the scale to tip towards them. And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Intimacy grows with words. It grows with talking. It grows with us sharing our life. It grows with time invested and investing time of our life. It grows with actions, doing things for their good, and doing things to help them and to bless doing things that they're interested in and sharing with them hopefully things we're interested in that they get interested in that's where those relationships grow this is one of the you know I sit here and I look and see Bob Lawrence sitting over here today and this is one of the great things that happens out at the hitting center people begin to share life together kids come in there they're interested in learning how to play softball or baseball and godly men begin to invest their life into people and guess what they begin to have an intimate relationship of sharing and caring that transforms lives are you willing to invest your time in something intimacy grows with love now we get confused with this because in, in one relationship that we have it all starts with attraction but in others it's, it's, in, in others it's natural but past this, love is something, again, that we choose to do. This is why Paul is saying to us that if you do all of these wonderful things, but you don't do them out of a spirit of love for others, you're nothing. In fact, you're an annoyance. There has to be a choice in our life to love it. Love at its core wants the best for them. Love at its core is there to serve others. Love at its core is not about selfishness, but it is about building others up. This is why we've asked you over the last few weeks, 
to read 1 Corinthians 13 every day, week after week, day after day. Read it and pray. God let this get into our heart. Why? Because our sin nature is by nature selfish. That's what we are by our sin nature. But the transforming power, the love of Christ in us is a, a nature that loves others. And 1 Corinthians 13, the living word of God, begins to resonate in us and teach us another way to live. Number three, intimacy gets built on shared life. Yesterday, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people came in here yesterday, and I want to thank those of you who came. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of people came and just spent the morning, maybe an hour or so in the afternoon, just cleaning our building, working on details, and getting stuff out that needs to get out, making sure it's dusted. People were dusting everything. Uh, you know, going around so many rags, people just cleaning things up. And in the midst of sharing life together, I heard people building relationship together. I heard people saying, now I've seen you around church, but I've never met you before. Because see, it's in this, this sharing where it begins. We begin to share life together. It's friends laughing together while they're doing something that, is, is, that they enjoy together, doing something, doing working together. It's that shared life. This is why we encourage you to get in, into, into C2 groups that are church-centered C2 groups so that our church family can grow together in the intimacy of relationship. That sharing and celebrating life, that sharing and, and, and caring for one another in life is where intimacy is built. It may be around birthdays and anniversaries and, and our graduations and recognizing big things in others' life and that they mean something to them or it may be around the sorrows of life. It can be around simple things. When I, you know, my wife, she likes to shop. <clears throat> I don't go shopping with her all the time. But I do sometimes. I do sometimes. When we go on vacation, one of my wife's favorite activities on vacation is going shopping. I like to go so that when she brings the clothes out, I can look at the price tags and say, I don't think that looks good on you at all. <laughs> oh, that one looks lovely on you. I think that one looks really beautiful on you. It's in those shared relationships, investing our life in one another. Intimacy grows in those shared relationships and experiences. First time Renee and I, uh, the first time we, we, we used to take these uh, float trips, canoe trips down in, in uh, Missouri, take 40, 50, 60 kids down. And uh, the first time Renee and I went together on one of those canoe trips, she... I said, I'll buy the tickets, I'll, I'll pay for the tickets, and, and you make the food. And so she made the food, she made the picnic lunch for us. And we get down to the place where we're going to stop, and there's a bunch of us there, we're going to have lunch together, and she hands me my sandwich. And, uh, and I bite into the sandwich, and she has left the plastic on the cheese. <laughs> and I'm biting into this sandwich, and I'm thinking, oh, this poor girl. She doesn't even know to take the plastic off the cheese. Her mom needs to help her. Then I look up and see her laughing because she's done this on purpose. I think it, her mom told her to, actually. So. But it's those kind of fun experiences in life that builds closeness in life. The ability to laugh together and the ability to cry together 
the dozens of stories that we experience together that tell us we should be connected or the stories that at times tell us we shouldn't be. I remember taking a girl out once, once, <clears throat> and I, I picked her up, and uh, we, we left her neighborhood. This is a true story. Every, every ounce of this is true. There's nothing exaggerated in the story. Get to the first corner. We start to turn. I, I turn, go to turn the corner. There's a, there was a car three-quarters of a block down the road, and she screams. And it scared me. I thought I'd miss something. I'm looking around. What did I miss? Well, didn't you see that car down? Yeah, it's three-quarters of a block away. We're, we're fine. We get to this, the stoplight, and we go, to, go through the light, and she screams, did you see this car coming? I said, listen, listen, you're freaking me out here. You are freaking me out. You've got to stop. I mean, literally, it wasn't just, oh, it was, I mean, it was a blood-curdling scream in the car. You, you've got to stop this. We get to the next corner, go turn, she screams again. And I turn the car around, and I head straight back to her house. And she says, where are we going? I said, well, I'm taking you home. She goes, we haven't been anywhere. I said, I, we've been far enough. <laughs> I know all I need to know right now. And I dropped her off the door maybe 15 minutes after I picked her up. I knew we'd had that, with that one shared experience that we weren't compatible. This was not going to work. Shared experiences either let us come to that point where we know this is a right thing for us, or the shared experience says it's not the best thing for us. Shared goals, understanding the goals, opening our life to each other, having those shared things that we want to accomplish and do in life, and, and our lives not just being separatized, but being able to sit with our children and with our friends or as a church or as a husband and wife and say, what are our goals? What are we trying to accomplish? What, what does God want from us? And what does he expect out of us? And let's work at those things together. Those shared goals allow us to sit around the table of communion and, and, and camaraderie and intimacy and to walk through life together because we are working together to accomplish something in life. Shared pains. Weeping with one another. Mourning with one another. The hand that is offered to hold another hand in a moment of grief or loss or sorrow. A, a, a hug, an arm wrapped around a person saying we're praying for you, we're with you we understand the pain that you're in a whisper of a promise in a, in a wife's ear we're going to get through this thing with God's help we're going to make it with the strength of God being with us we're going we're to be there, it's going to be alright God's going to help us sharing those sh that shared pain together and and understanding those moments and, and being sensitive in those moments build those moments of intimacy shared faith learning to pray together not just leaving our faith to something that happens at church but praying together in our home and praying together over our children praying together over our goals and asking God to guide us together in our decisions that, that giving strength to one another through the word of God and the promises of God reminding each other of the promises of God helps build that intimacy and relationship and again this is what should happen in our small groups when we get together and we share our joys together and the Bible says rejoice with one another and the Bible says and mourn with one another to pray with each other to offer promises to offer words of of life to one another.
when somebody when, when you share your pain and somebody else comes up next to you and begins to whisper in your I've been there I've had the same thing I've gone through the same trial let me tell you with God's help you're going to be okay it builds a bond of relationship so we need to share life together sharing life together in a marriage is what builds and strengthens a marriage and sharing those things with somebody outside the marriage and cutting your spouse out of your life is one of the things that destroys a marriage all of a sudden I don't feel as intimate with my wife anymore I don't feel as close to my husband anymore but this guy at work or this gal that I know boy when we talk there's a connection because intimacy starts between our ears it starts with our talk and our discussion. All this connects us. This is why, you know, even moving from your home can be emotional because you're connected with all the events that happened in that home and now you're moving someplace else. It's why moving from one church building to another church building can be emotional because with so many things that we shared in this building, in this place, and yet as God moves us to another place, He has new things for us. All those things can be emotional. Because intimacy starts with these experiences and what happens with our connections in our mind and it grows in our heart. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today. Intimacy is the deep end of the pool and you can stay in the shallow end. You may be very comfortable in the shallow end. All the activity of life may be humming around you in your home <coughs> and you may be very, very happy doing your little thing with your head down. But there are others that are calling you to join in and to begin to share your life with them. There's others who would love for you to venture out, and it may be scary at first. But I want to challenge you to those people that should have a close relationship with, with you in life. This is where the fullness of life is discovered. Intimacy is a place where loneliness is destroyed. And you may be just fine out there by yourself, your spouse or your children your loved ones your grandchildren they may be hurting so this week's assignment start sharing your life with others start start talking start telling them how your day's going start asking them how their day's going start discovering what they're dreaming about and what they would like and start acting in love towards them invite others uh, invite others to share their life with you. It, it may be go. You, you may have some that are going to wonder what you're up to the first time you say, hey, tell me what's going on. Tell me what you're dreaming of. But it's one of the greatest places in the world to be is when you, they begin to share their life with you and invest your time in the lives of others. The husband and wife relationship is not the most intimate relationship you can have on this earth. The, relationship, the most intimate relationship you can have is the relationship between you and God. And sadly, there are many Christians, just like many fathers who never build an intimate relationship with their children, just like many moms who don't build an intimate relationship with maybe their friends. There's many Christians who don't build that intimate relationship with God. David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. What's he talking about? 
he's talking about this personal, intimate relationship with God. Jesus said, it is good that I go, because when I go, the Spirit will come. Who is he? Who is the Spirit? The comforter, the teacher, the encourager. Does this sound like a God who wants to be far away from you? Does this sound like a God who wants you, you to know about him, but not to know him? No, this sounds like a God who wants us to enter into a very close personal relationship with him. He says, it's good that I go, because he's going to come and lead you into all truth. And yet many stay at the shallow end. Here's how you get out. Make a commitment to him. Make a commitment to talk to him every day. Make a commitment to know him. Get to know him through his word and obey his word. Begin to study his word every day. Just get it out each day and begin to read a chapter a day if you haven't done it before. Come to one of the, your C2 group leader or pastor and say, where should I begin to read? And let us help you begin to read because it is the living word of God and it will bring enemy. And it's God talking to you. Pray and worship him for he is worthy to be praised. Work alongside him. Get involved and go alongside of him to do his will let me give you two last things if you've never been baptized since you were born again maybe you were baptized as a kid guess what your parents did that for you now you need to do something if you've never been baptized since you were born again you need to get baptized it is one of the things that God calls us to do that brings us even closer into relationship with him. And one of the things he calls us to do is to share communion together. The ushers are going to come right now and pass out these elements of communion. I want you to hold them, and we will share them together before we leave today.
And when we blew it, when we messed up, Father, you sent your son to restore that relationship so that someday we can be with you for eternity. And that, Father, when your son left this earth, your spirit came. The veil had been torn. And your spirit came to be with each and every one of us. So we remember the work Jesus did for us today. And we partake of his broken body. And ask you, Lord, to continue to call us into that intimate relationship with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you today for the blood of the Lamb that cleanses us from all sin. And Lord, you know the condition of every heart in this room. And Father, perchance there's someone standing here today I, that, that, that needs your forgiving power to move upon their life as you have moved upon our life when we've asked you. We pray that today, Father, in this very simple moment, they'd receive your Son as their Lord and as their Savior. For we know his blood will wash away their sin. Father, we just pray that we would be a people who live under the, the blood of your Son each day. We rejoice that we are not condemned, but that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen.